Blog Talk Radio. Celebrating their 20th year in radio broadcasting. With news not heard in the news, the International Taz and Paula Show interviews experts from all walks of life, bridging research and personal life journeys, revealing new ways to unleash life with a passion of a heartbeat. And now, here's Taz and Paula. Here's two incredible continuous moments wherever you are. Today, we are back with Tom T. Moore, heading for another high-octane deliverance, where we'll be capturing Tom's reply to the latest questions asked by his ongoing Gentle Way article and newsletter followers. For a refresher, uh, Tom T. Moore was voted best self-help author in 2014 with his Gentle Way book series that comes forth in four books. And now, this most informative and brilliant author just ignited another shaker this August, his latest book, Atlantis and Lemuria, The Lost Continents Revealed, which is the most detailed book ever written. I, I, you know, I have it in my hand. It's amazing. About these two continents and the people who inhabited them. Paula, I'm already feeling buzzed even talking about this. I can hardly wait to continue where we left off. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. Well, Taz, I'm really um, glad that we've had Tom back, and I'm excited that we can find out more about Atlantis and Lemuria. And in our interview with Tom about a month ago, we talked specifically about Atlantis and Lemuria, where they were located, and much more. And at the end of our show, we asked if he would return for another program with us in order to go even deeper with some new questions that have come directly from his readers, and he agreed. So that excited us. And if you remember from our previous interviews with Tom, he's not only an author and a speaker worldwide, he is very well known for teaching others how to request those awesome prayers called MBOs, Most Benevolent Outcomes, that can be used both in one's business and personal affairs that brings forth gentler outcomes in people's daily lives. And I asked for MBO today for our show. Hooray! Um, (laughs) Tom, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. I always enjoy it. As, I, as I've said before, y'all are two of my, my favorite people. <laughs> and we're going to go back and forth on this because you're one of our favorite guests. <laughs> well, Tom, you know, um, people are concerned right now. How much rain will the West Coast receive this winter? <laughs> what does it look like for all of us here? Well, I, I've been told several months ago that um, you you are going to have a lot more rain than normal, but it was not going to be enough to completely uh, eradicate the drought. So, uh, and and I think it's uh, just in, uh, today or the last few days they've been coming out with new predictions where um, the waters are now at five point 
four or five point seven degrees above uh, normal, and uh, that may be the highest ever recorded in in the Pacific. So uh, they're really looking for a, a extremely rainy season for California, which of course you need, but um, it's it's not going to completely eradicate the um, the dry spell or the drought uh, as um, as did the rains for my part of the country. I mean, we just had another 2.65 inches of rain at my house in the last two days. So um, I know my husband was uh, my husband was watching car races in Arizona who hardly ever get rain, and they oh, were yeah. rained out. <laughs> oh, my. Good night. That was really unusual. Yeah. So I thought, bring it this way, bring it this way. <laughs> true, true. So anyway, so you'll, had, you'll get some. Just hang on, San Francisco. <laughs> well, I'm up uh, in the Sacramento area, and it's really bad up here. Um, uh, Folsom Lake that gives us water is the lowest it's been since like 1972. Mm. Wow. And there's they, like an old ta- there's an old town in the middle of Folsom Lake that you can walk out and see the old town that they covered. I I've seen pictures of that as I recall. Very good. Tom, do they give any kind of alternatives like okay, we don't have enough rain? And uh is there any alternatives given by your um special angelic forms that come to you um, delivering maybe better ways to um, support um, a healthier lifestyle with food and that kind of thing and what can be done since we have winters that are um, that are not delivering as much rain as we need. Gaia says we're moving in the right direction, okay? And and if she doesn't think we were, she could do it on her own. I mean, we're talking about a very powerful soul, Gaia, the soul of the earth, uh, is is enormously powerful herself. But she's got four million other souls, whole souls, uh, helping her run the earth. I mean, there's souls for uh, for all the dogs on earth, all the cats on earth, and and uh, you know, mountain ranges and lakes and I mean, there's there's souls that have a, a wide variety of interests that that are taking part in this Earth experiment. And she's the coordinator or the, the CEO. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's she uh, she runs it, but she's she's a very loving soul. Uh, um, I, I when I talk to her, I, she tells me that you know I've I've done this in hundreds of other lives and. And so she she says even in your very very uh, earliest lives you you honored me and I I appreciated that so I I guess I was out there you know as in the middle of the jungle you know raising <laughs> something you know who knows doing doing something to honor honor the earth so uh, she says uh, you know she always appreciates people when when they honor her well it's, well they it'd be like I was going to say the ancient um, ancestors always honored her. Yes. So we, so we kind of lost yeah. that along the way. Yes, uh, we're we're in these urban societies where it's uh, it's harder to uh, to remember and and doing 
these lives. But it's good good to get out and touch the earth. I, when I do my meditations, I imagine that I'm hugging this big ball of energy. <laughs> and and so I was uh, I, I was asking her about her size, and she said, "Well, you know, in the twelfth dimension or so where I am, uh, size just doesn't matter. It, you could be." hugging a baseball or you could be hugging a football stadium. And I said, oh, oh, great. I, I may be hugging a football stadium. She <laughs> said, no. She, she said, when you imagine putting your arms around around me uh, uh, and sending love, she says, I send it a hundred times back. So that's the way. <laughs> wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, and I, I also she... imagine send, sending her hugs and kisses. That's That's one of the lines I always do. I, I send send you lots of hugs and kisses. So um because to me that's more of a human way of imagining love, you know, and and sometimes hugging a, a ball of energy is a little bit harder to visualize. Although if we if we bring that ball of energy down to maybe the size of a football <laughs> or a basketball in our hands and just imagine we're embracing her that way I'm sure that that would be supportive, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, just, isn't it isn't it, uh, isn't it great that uh, our show's subtitle is "Embracing Mother Earth"? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And on our website, we're actually embracing her. So that all brings it all back. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Y- y'all are in the program. <laughs> so. Well, Paula, you actually created that title, Embracing Mother Earth. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, it was such a great title. I loved it when you did that. And that was uh, very, very powerful indeed. Right. Go ahead. You, so, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. There's been some um, earthquakes lately uh, in, uh, I think, a 7.0 in Japan and mm-hmm. and. Um, do we see any more earthquakes coming? Have you asked Guy about that? Um, I've she, I, I've asked her about this, and and certainly she had said there was going to be at least a an eight point oh somewhere in the world. wasn't saying exactly where, and and um, uh, someone emailed and asked me, well, is this seven point oh that just happened in Japan? Was that the the big one? And and she's told me that when she has the big one and and no the souls have not signed off on this so the probability of this happening in the next few months is very very small i i've had to get into probabilities that's been one of the hardest things that i've i've had to try and understand or uh comprehend because um as guy explained she says she says, you know, you've done this in the past, and then there have been psychics and other and channels and what have you, and and you can latch on to a low probability. So you might have a psychic, oh, there's going to be this horrible event, yada, 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 whatever it happens to be, and, uh, and it's going to happen, I think, you know, in the next week or the next month or whatever, and then it doesn't happen. And everybody scratches their heads, well, I don't understand that. Why didn't it? I mean, it happened to me. Um, uh, originally, I was told that uh, in 2010, um, several months before, that there was going to be this major earthquake 
and um, and tsunami in Japan. And I was told it was going to be the last week of, of August or the first week of September. And so, I mean, I went out on a limb. I contacted all of my uh, film distribution clients in Japan and told them, watch out for this. And, of course, nothing happened. And, boy, was that embarrassing. And, oh. uh, and, and the, of course, it didn't happen until March uh, 11th of 2011. And um, uh, and so I, I said, why why didn't that happen then? Well, you latched on to a, a a lower probability of it happening sooner, and and that's and that's what happens to psychics and channels. They they don't realize that they latch on to a a, a low probability. I, I saw uh, I was told recently that one channel said that. Uh, you know, uh, there are the, these great reservoirs of water uh, in the interior of the earth. I mean, huge oceans and uh, lakes and what have you. And uh, someone latched on that uh, this was going to come out of the ground and and flood the earth. And, and I asked about that, and I was told, no, that's a low probability that someone latched on to. And... Uh, uh, so uh, one of the things I've gotten into asking is, what is the probability of this happening, you know, in the next three months or six months or whatever? And and I get much closer to receiving an accurate answer um, when I when I ask it that way than if I if I say, well, is this going to happen, you know, and, and just leave it open ended or something. So um, probabilities are very important. Now, do human emotions have anything to do with uh, volcanoes and uh, earthquakes? Like, we've had a huge human emotion, like for 9/11 and now Paris. Does this emotion does that create changes in the earth? Well, what it really does is when you're showing compassion for uh, for an event like Paris or like 9/11 or what have you. That compassion helps raise your vibrational level. Okay, um, so that's very important when uh, uh, to show compassion for uh, for people uh, that some disaster has happened to, and to also go ahead and do a benevolent prayer. Um, if you, as an example, for the people in Paris, you could say, "I ask any and all beings to uh, aid and comfort uh, the victims and even." Uh, the citizens of France in recovering from uh, from this terrorist attack and to help the victims in the recovery um, uh, from from their wounds and uh, may the uh, the recovery time for them and for the nation be even sooner than we can hope for or expect. Thank you. So you're able to do something. People feel helpless, helplessness. When they hear about something like this happening, it, it's great that you're showing compassion. It, it helps you in raising your vibrational level. They'll even help everyone more is if you say a benevolent prayer uh, for those people. Yes, I did that, and I also did it for the people that are involved in fires and the, the large floods that were that was in oh, South absolutely. Carolina. Yes, yeah, I mean these things. You know, happen all the time, and you just have have to get into a, a habit of of saying uh, a benevolent prayer for 
uh, for the people that are affected or any and all beings affected because it could be dogs and cats and deer and and uh, uh, raccoons and birds and on and on and on so oh, yeah. um, you know uh, lots lots of life is affected when uh, uh, when these disasters happen. Tom, you're supported, um, and I'll use Gaia as one example. And she does she handle specific things? And then your other guides, do they handle specific things? Um, I typically will try and ask uh, Gaia Earth-related things. It doesn't always quite happen that way because uh, you have to understand, when I'm preparing for a session like I was supposed to have this morning until we got a uh, one of those automatic, automated phone calls at 3:46 a.m. in the morning from from Plano, Texas, saying uh, there's a uh, there's a tornado warning. Uh, please seek cover now. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, that blew my my uh, uh, opportunity to get up at 5:15 and do a session. So it'll have to be tomorrow morning. But when when I'm uh, you know preparing for these, I I receive uh, questions from all over the world from from the readers of my newsletters and all, and so I I try and write the ones down that I think will be for for Theo, my guardian angel, and the ones I think should be for Gaia, and then down at the at the bottom I'll put Antura, my brother on another planet. That's where I, that's his section, and and so as I fill them up, if I uh, you know if I don't if I only have one or two questions for Gaia, I might give her an extra couple. <laughs> that, so that's that's kind of the way it works. It's just what whatever I have space on the page for. And you you must have when they send you questions, uh, people send you questions. A lot of the questions are the same. I mean, is it is there a theme that comes in uh, every week? Uh, it can be. I mean, as as an example, obviously, I, I got um, I don't know two or three, four emails at least on on Paris this during the week. So obviously, they're uh, you know uh, topical events will will cause people to email me. And then there then there are people that are you know reading my old newsletters and say, "Gosh, I read this in in an old newsletter and." Can you give me more information on on this? And off we'll go on another tangent. So recently, I've been having a lot of questions on, excuse me, souls um, and soul interests and and different things about about souls. So um, it's, it seems to have been a, a a little bit of a theme in the last few months. <laughs> So um does excuse me does the um the DNA of an individual uh, affect the soul's interest? Um it does um in a way because when when a soul fragment is going to have a life on earth um uh, and and it's uh, it knows it's going to be born as a Certain individual in a certain family uh, with a, a DNA trail all along, you know, heritage and all that stuff. Then it knows what physical uh, limits or abilities it's going 
uh, it's going to have in that life. And and so uh, the soul fragment, uh, when it's preparing that soul path, it's going to try and take throughout its its whole life. Um, uh, takes takes its uh, intellectual and physical abilities into account to know what it uh, it feels it can accomplish in that particular life. So does the soul's interest influence the DNA in an individual? Um, does it influence? Um, it, it, yes, it influences from from the standpoint that it's not going to say, well, gosh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to be another Einstein when when it knows that that the per, uh, the person it's going to uh, you know it's going to be uh, has an IQ of only a 125, let's say, you know, it's um, so that's it, it certainly has that influence on on what uh, what goals the uh, the soul fragment can set for itself. So, what about the new children coming in, the indigos and the crystals, and they have this higher IQ, so they must be bringing in a higher. Um, a- Ability to achieve. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, it, have you ever asked it? whether or not that the ones coming in now are they um, are they coming in to assist the the um, upliftment of our planet and? Um, and when I, I would say, when does this is this on a continuous because of their frequency? Do they do this their whole lifetime, or or does it shift, um, or does it shift as they get older? Hmm. Um, I think that has to do with individual. You know, I don't think I could answer that. That question because that's that would be an individual. I haven't asked uh, very much about uh, about indigos in in a long time. Uh, when I did, I, I was told that you know they were coming in to help speed up everything. You know, keep in mind uh, up until now, for the last few years, time has been speeding up and speeding up and speeding up. I mean, we all have felt this. Uh, I'm sure every one of your listeners can uh, can attest to that fact that it just seems like time is speeding up. Well, I've been told that finally time is going to stop speeding up no later than the end of this year. So oh, finally, we're going to <laughs> yeah. Finally, we're going to reach a, a time when time is not going to be speeding up, and and our uh, grandchildren, let's just say, will uh, will not feel any difference. They will not, you know, time will be the same for them. So they they will not have had to adjust like we've had to continue continually adjust in our lives to this speeding up and speeding up the time. And so that's uh, that's finally finally going to end. I wish it had ended a little a little sooner, but. Um, Oh, oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> you just gave me a, 
a, I'm feeling a deep breath, but say, thank goodness, because this has been going so fast. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder are if we, it's really... Are we, oh, I was going to say, are we tapping say, in? Okay, I'm y'all flip a coin. Chil- <laughs> some of the children and, and uh, our generation and, and some of the children and grandchildren, are we tapping in to the knowledge of Atlantis and Lemurius to help uh, our situation on Earth right now? Um, yes. You know, one of the things is that um, after both Atlantis and Lemuria uh, destroyed themselves um, in, in the wars and everything, I, I, there was, I think, this deep-seated uh, fear that this would happen again. And so we, uh, I mean, even things like rediscovering crystal power and, and rediscovering the energy that, that the Lemurians used, both energies of which are are not what we use today. So, I mean, first of all, that tells you there's other energies that, that can be uh, can be used and tapped in into, but I think people were so, you know, so afraid of that that they they kind of buried the uh, the knowledge about these these two great civilizations that were great. I mean, they lasted for fifty thousand over fifty thousand years each um, until uh, until a small portion of these people uh, got got them into a war that. That was horrific, and and millions and millions of people died around the world. Well, uh, I've been told that that we have finally gotten to the the place and time that we can learn about these histories and and not shake us sort of to our core anymore. That that uh, we'll we'll understand, and I've been absolutely assured that we will never destroy ourselves again. So, uh, I, and I've been told that over and over again um, by both Gaia and, and Theo that that we've, you know, when we passed that harmonic convergence in 1987, uh, we we passed the time where we could have uh, uh, gone gone down the road of of self destruction, and we'll never destroy ourselves. So, this, you know, this is good news. <laughs> I, sure I'm happy. <laughs> So. I, I know because we hear on the news, oh, there's a possibility of a World War Three, and you know what goes across my mind? Oh no, Atlantis and Lemuria all over again. Yep, it, it is not going to happen. Yeah, good. Tom, you you tell yeah. us more about timelines. Um, can you tell us more about timelines? You you speak about um, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Uh, is that like dimensions, or your, or is timelines different? No, timelines are uh, uh, the other name for timelines would be parallel lives. Okay, uh, okay. you're you're having uh, there's a total of twelve parallel lives going on for each life you live in uh, on Earth, and and so uh, these parallel lives are set up. Um, uh, are, are set up in frequencies, and, and the frequencies are broken down one, uh, one through four are grouped together, then five through eight, and then uh, nine through twelve. 
and they're subdivided into two. So one and two, three and four, we're, we're linked with five and six, then seven and eight, nine and ten, eleven and twelve. So, so there are these these twelve parallel lives. We're on timeline number six, and we're in the middle frequency. So we're sort of influenced somewhat by the lower frequencies, which have, are having harder lives than we are, and then we're influenced by the uh, higher frequencies uh, that, as you go higher, are having much much easier lives than than we we are. So that and and even and, and what's weird is that timeline number twelve is a non-physical life. And I said, why why is it non-physical? And I was told that our souls wanted to have one life that that the soul considered perfect, so that all the other lives could could be compared against that life. And so, and and I said, well, why even why have twelve parallel lives anyway? Because nobody else does in the whole rest of the universe, and maybe other, all the other universes, because there's billions of other universes. And and I was told that our souls wanted to have the greatest learning um, uh, that could possibly be for one life. So so each life ha- is uh, lived on a different frequency. Um, so that so that there are are um, decisions made on one timeline that are not on another. You could be, uh, let's say, slim and trim on one life, obese on another. Um, you could uh, you could perhaps be in jail on one life and and not on another. Or um, on timelines number one and two, when I had um, congestive heart failure in. 2006 on timelines one and two I died, okay, but on the rest of timelines I lived. So the wow. fact, you know there's all sorts of differences that happen. So when we are dreaming, are we reflecting back to us uh, simultaneously those different twelve timelines? You look in on the other timelines to see what they're doing yeah. uh, as part of dreaming, and, and you can combine. One of the other timelines with a past life and a future life, all in the same dream, and and so that's why it, it seems kind of so mixed up. And the other thing is that, um, especially, I think it must happen more in the early dreaming stages. I, I've been recording my dreams since 1979, and I find most of the time the dreams I'm recording are later in the evening, and because. Uh, I've been told that in our dream state, we are the big problem solvers of the whole universe, and we go to all these other societies, and and they change the look in our dream state so that we won't get scared. Maybe let's just say we were, uh, you know, we were advising, oh, let's just say, a, a, a reptile, okay, um, <laughs> uh, on solving a problem. They would look like us. Or, or, or similar or something like that, so we wouldn't be frightened and wake wake up saying, well, "What am I doing advising a you know <laughs> this walking reptile? You know this is ridiculous." So um, uh, and and we're the big problem solvers because we we make more decisions in one day than most societies do in a, a week or a month or even sometimes a year. Uh, we're 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 big problem solvers. 
<laughs> but sometimes uh, it in my dreams, um, friends or relatives that have passed away come into mm-hmm. my dreams. Yes. So, I, I, is, especially if you have dreams of your mother and father, if they passed away, normally those are important dreams of of, of news coming or something like that. Uh, I, I've been told. Um, and and what's interesting is that there's a whole set of of what we call angels, which are whole souls, that set up these visits for us all over the universe. They'll say, uh, "You need to go, you know, to planet X Y Z in this galaxy tonight <laughs> uh, to help somebody in their dream state or their meditative state in solving this problem." So, uh, so we've got a whole cadre of, of beings that assist us in in doing our work. Wow, we're flying around, huh? We are <laughs> instantaneously. <laughs> oh, wow. You also talk I, about the fabric between the timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that flexible, removable, or changeable? Well, the fa- fabric uh, is kind of movable at times. Um, I, I have a funny story that happened, I think it was last year, um, where uh, my wife had cooked like three or four pies, and and they were different kind of pies. And one of them, uh, you know, she sent over, I think, to her daughter, and her daughter said, well, this is a, such and such a pie. And, no, it isn't. I, I cooked, I, I only cooked, you know, one of these, and you've got it or something. And uh, But it wasn't. And and I was told that, that uh, on timeline number five, uh, uh, the pies had switched places, so that so in other words, <laughs> between the two timelines. So that happens uh, more often pe- than people realize. That you know uh, they'll they'll be looking for a cap. Uh, uh, Frank, uh, a buddy of mine, Frank, was looking for a cap, and you know he looked all over the place, could not find it, and you know the next day there it was sitting right back again exactly where he had put it before and it, it wasn't there the day before so it's um things like that happen what's even more rare is i i got a report uh and i asked in my um my meditations about a lady in spain that actually switched timelines it was like she bl- uh, melded with you know, she was on like timeline number five, and she melded with timeline number six. And uh, you know, boyfriends were different, or uh, you know, all sorts of things were different, and it was extremely confusing to her. And um, and I said, well, didn't her uh, soul know that that could could happen? And and I was told yes, but the soul thought um, that it was a low probability. <laughs> but the low probability happened. And so she's going to have to have a life in the future where some of the um some of of the challenges she was supposed to have on timeline number 5 will have to be included in that life because she she came into this life. Is this like quantum leap? Yeah, in a way, except you're except that you're kind of joining she joined the body of her timeline six life. Wow. Now, when people work with ghosts or spirits, they think they're working with ghosts or spirits. Could that just be someone on a different timeline versus being a ghost or a spirit? Well, now, 
it depends on on what you talk about working. I mean, ghosts typically, I've been told, are are, are like a video of a past uh, someone in the past, and it's like the video plays over and over again. You know, people hear the same clinking of chains or walking, you know, on on uh, a floor upstairs over and over again. It's like a, a, a video being repeated. So uh, that's that's one thing. I mean, it's another when you're working with spirits uh, in a benevolent way, hopefully. Uh, right. You've, you've surrounded yourself with white life, white light. So they're sending you messages, uh, and you're surrounding yourself with white light. So I, yes. I'm just thinking maybe that's just another parallel life that you're getting that message from. No, not not really. Now, as an example, one day I was just kind of standing around, and I I, I, I heard this voice that was almost as loud as, as a regular voice in my ear saying, Hello, Tom. <laughs> and I said, Hmm, where did that come from? So I immediately surrounded myself with white light, and I said, well, who is this? There was no answer. Uh, later, I asked Theo about it. He said, that entity was not in your best interests. Oh. That made wow, that scary. scary. So, <laughs> so always always surround yourself with white light and, and, uh, and keep protected. Very good advice. Yeah. And for and for people, I'll even go a little bit farther, just in in other things. Um, as an example, uh, people, uh, you know, feel like they're almost hexed by an ex, so to speak. Um, you can request a benevolent outcome to uh, sever all energy cords not in your best interest, and that can help sort of get rid of sometimes an attachment. Uh, uh, that's that's non-physical, you know. Um, so you just say, I I, I request the most benevolent outcome uh, for all energy cords not in my best interest to be severed at this time. Thank you, and and that helps get rid of what are called the uh, the ties that bind or the chains that that bind or whatever um, from past relationships and and whatever. Well, that's a good advice too. Because I know people work on that constantly. You know, they've had cords and they want to cut the cords. So we can just yes. request it with a benevolent. Yep, and, and it's and it's uh, uh, it, it helps you in distancing yourself from a from a late relationship that was was very uh, uh, very difficult, very hard, and uh, and yet you still feel an attachment to that person. Well. Cut the energy cord, and you won't feel as much. And I think uh, people that lost someone really close to them uh, that's passed away, that could work also. Yes, uh, because obviously, if you have such a huge attachment to that to that person, you love them, and and so on, um, uh, you can ask for the energy cord to be cut. Now, that doesn't mean I mean like. Uh, you know, when when you pass away, you're going to um, you're going to still a, por- a portion of you will still be around to see uh, how things work out in your family, um, and you can even 
you can even give advice if somebody wants to uh, to meditate and ask for advice from you. Um, you'll have a, a better uh, overall view of things than than you would, obviously, if they had asked for your advice during your physical life. Um, so you can you can talk to a loved one. I mean, it doesn't doesn't mean that you don't love them if you're if you want to be able to move on a little bit and uh after a, a, a tragic death or what have you uh they'll they'll be around uh to send you love oh i this just reminds me of my f- uh, friend of mine lost her husband several years ago and she just recently had a dream where he got in the back seat of the car and told her to drive she said she, he never allowed her to drive and I thought, well, that's this, that's you know giving you permission to move on. That is, that's a, that's a great dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Um, I have a question about our planets. You know, we have planets um, that we've known about since we were kids, mm-hmm. and so I question uh, now they're finding new planets arriving. And um, do all these planets just remain out there, or do they shift back and forth? Have you asked any questions about that to Gaia? Not shift. Most of the time I'm asking if there are any, uh, you know, uh, living beings. Like uh, I do know there's like a a crab on on Mars that looks uh, like one of these flat round crabs that we have on earth and um and it also has um a predator so that tells you there's at least a couple of beings on mars they're <laughs> going to find um uh so uh and and with that i'm also told that it probably will not be the first um visit to mars but it'll be one one of the first few they're going to discover uh, a caves, a cave or cave system, where uh, they'll probably find a lot, a lot more uh, uh, little beings running around. But it'll also uh, will wind up uh, setting up all of our our modules or whatever in the caves because the caves uh, will make it much easier living because it won't be so harsh where it's out, you know, it's uh, uh, so many degrees cold and then hot and what have you. Um, the caves will have a, a more steady temperature, so that's going to that's going to happen. Our our Mars astronauts will discover living in caves are going to be a lot better. Do you? I know you you receive messages from Gaia and you receive messages from your angel. Um, do you ever have you ever received messages from um, aliens on other on other planets? Well, of course, the whole, the book first contact conversations with an ET. Um, my guardian angel Theo introduced me to another member of my soul cluster. There's eight of us in the cluster, and um, uh, and my it turns out my home planet is this. Um, we, you have to understand, we all come from other planets, all right? We volunteered for the Earth experiment, but very few 
of the beings on the, of these planets were volunteers. Like um, I think on my water planet, um, uh, which is inhabited by millions of of uh, amphibians, uh, only like I don't know, one or two percent uh, volunteered to have lives on Earth. So it's it's a pretty small number. Uh, I mean, after all, most of them would say, why would I want to have a life on Earth with all the terrible things that are happening? <laughs> and I'll just have my nice life swimming around the ocean in, in, in this uh, serious bee system water world. So, uh, so uh, Antura, my brother on another planet, has, has had 800 lives on Earth so far. So he's, he's at typically, uh, you know, like the upper end of a normal average because people typically will, will have 600 to 800 lives on Earth. And, uh, but I know he'll, he'll come back and have one or more. He's already told me that. But he's in the middle of a, of a life on, on uh, this water planet. And uh, he's a member of a first contact team. So, so he's um, uh, and his soul interest is different than mine. See, this is another thing about souls that I've gotten into is that, like in my in my soul clusters, there's eight fragments of our soul. And I used to think, oh, we must be like peas in a pod, and it'd be like, well, it's your term, uh, term turn now, uh, and then it's uh, next guy's turn and so on and it's not that way at all each of us uh, were given uh, each of us was given uh, a different interest by our souls and also we're given a, a little different frequency and so my interest is religions but but Antura's is exploration so as an example he um uh, he was um, a, uh, a explorer um, in his lives on Earth, and he was Marco Polo's uncle who did the Silk Road before uh, Marco Polo. So he's his big interest uh, on Earth has always been exploration, where mine has been religions. Any time one of the major religions uh, on Earth has started, I've been around. Uh, to watch the the start of the religion. So this crossover does this does this um, help stabilize um, the world in a different way because of everybody having these different frequencies or different life um, uh, tones or thoughts. Well. Um, uh, okay, we we need to get down to what is the the real reason for all all of these lives on Earth and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, y- yes, it's to raise our vibrational level. That's great uh, because, as an example, uh, Theo, my guardian angel, said he he had to raise his vibrational level the old-fashioned way. He sent out millions of pieces of it, of himself to all these different universes, uh, learning. And that's how he raised his vibrational level to the point where he's he glows a golden light, and they're called golden light beings. But we call them guardian angels, so I I can't call him my GLB 
<laughs> Nobody would know what what a GLB was, uh, Golden Light Bing. So uh, uh, so I call him, you know, what everybody uses in everyday vernacular is a go, guardian angel. And uh, uh, so once we raise our vibrational levels, we're on a fast track to raise our vibrational levels. The end goal, it's my understanding, of all of our souls is that one day we will all meld together, which has never been done in any of those billions of universes. We're all going to meld together and become a creator ourselves, and we will take over running this universe for for this creator and allow it uh, to go to a higher level. And and our creator does not know what what's at that higher level, um, but there have been like three or four other creators that have done that before him. And so, um, uh, and he would be allowed to because he will have achieved, uh, Theo says he would be ranked in the top five of all the billions of creators uh, that have ever been created for all these things that he's doing with negativity and 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 all this other of this stuff. So he's um, he's achieving what no other um, creator has been able to do. But that's so, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be a creator someday. We're working ourselves up. Yep. <laughs> so each universe has a different creator. Yes. Uh, Theo says that some are as small as the head of a pin and others are much larger than ours. And and Tura has told me that there are actually three other universes that are adjacent to our universe, only one of which we could see the other two are on the other side of the, the universe, and so we can't see them. But uh, there is one that we can see. We think it, uh, the stars that we see in the night sky are our universe, but actually it's the it's the adjacent universe. Not not the whole sky, but just a portion. Ooh, I just got chills all over. <laughs> and 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 Tura has visited that universe and he says, Tom, he says, You don't have any any um thing to compare it to because you haven't been out to the stars in this universe yet. But he said, I can tell you that uh, that universe is really different. And that's all Take I can they <laughs> say, take me, take me. <laughs> so, so. Well, it's, it's like the, the the natives that had never seen a, a large ship before. They didn't. It's really hard to comprehend something you didn't know anything about. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. And and you know we're just you know in twenty five or thirty years we're just going to get to go to the next planet. You know we've only been to our moon and even. Even that we haven't really explored very well. Um, on the backside of our of our moon is a crashed spaceship that dates back all the way to the Star Wars, the the real Star Wars that happened. Now there's this there's this crashed spaceship that you can Google and and see images of that uh, NASA photographed and and people have blown up and and uh, and it's there and and uh, uh, we'll all visit it one day. Hmm. So I would say, here's to the explorers with all the stars in their eyes. <laughs> yes. 
Take me, take me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so many oh, of us say that. Everybody yeah, and, says and we're living in a... I was going to say, everybody's go saying we live in uh, exciting times, but there's much yeah. more exciting times ahead. Yeah. I'm, you know, they keep telling me that I'm going to shoot the first documentary ever on a mothership. Uh, so that'll that'll be interesting. Okay. We'll have to have the first interview after that one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, just, um, Tom. Or, or maybe uh, I'll call you from call you from the mothership. Hey, guess where oh, I am. Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, um, Tom, you know, why don't you, um, you have, you're working on a new series here on, um, be seen. Uh, will you talk a little bit about that? Oh, uh, if anyone has heard of Roku, and, and I find like half the people have heard of Roku and half the people haven't. So Roku is a sort of a black box device, uh, internet device, that you can watch all the channels that you want. There's actually 2,500 channels on Roku um, and they have all the major channels, you know, all the Netflixes and Hulus and, you know, anything you can name. But you pay like 99 to 129 for one of these boxes and hook it up, and you can watch all of these without, I think, having to pay cable charges and all. I, I still am learning more about this myself, so hopefully I'm, I'm telling you correct. And um, so they are welcoming people creating new channels and so a um, uh, some people are creating a ch- a new channel that will go up in January called EVTV like Epic Voyages TV and um, and I'm going to do a series for them uh called The Telepathic World of Tom T Moore. I've shot five shows that are being edited now and uh, uh and, and then I'm going to shoot another five shows in December for what I anticipate will be sort of like the first season. And I've been told that they'll release one a week. They're 30-minute kind of shows. And uh, so it'll it'll be something kind of new. I've had to learn all of, you know, all about uh, lighting and everything uh, because these are, uh, these are being shot fairly, you know, low, low budget, which I'm used to. Having been in the in the film business for 30 years, I've been executive producer on on some really low budget movies that were shot anywhere from 50,000 to 150,000. So I know all about low budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really exciting. So we can look forward to um, joining you in the future on that way. And yeah. in um, okay, just to let people know because we kind of. We buzz through this show. We forget to say we're talking with Tom T. Moore, and he has a website if you want to go to it. It's called thegentlewaybook.com. And, um, Tom, is there another a website as well that you want to give out? No. Uh, if they go to uh, uh, thegentlewaybook.com, on the homepage, it will give you instructions on emailing me if you'd like to, uh, to receive my weekly newsletter with all these questions sent to me from all over the place to uh, to answer, uh, ask questions. And um, 
Uh, I also have all my blogs uh, on there. That uh, the blogs are nothing but uh, MBO and BP stories, where people send me in these stories each week, uh, giving me their successes on on uh, uh, doing uh, uh, requesting MBOs and saying benevolent prayers. So uh, it's it's a good website. Uh, I've archived all my newsletters since 2007 on mm. there, so it can be a lot of reading if if you want to really uh, uh, go down deeply down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And, uh, <laughs> How many people <laughs> receive your newsletter now? Uh, oh, I don't mention that, but several thousand uh, all over the world. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, quite a few thousand. Thank you. So. <clears throat> yeah, thank you, Tom, for spending this hour with us. Uh, it's always <laughs> refreshing, and it tickles the brain to be able to see um, other areas in life that maybe perhaps we haven't thought about. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you know, it. It's fun let's, fun, and uh, uh, being on your show and, and getting into these different kinds of questions. Okay. Well, let's mm-hmm. tell everybody about your newest book, too, Atlantis and Lemuria. So, so that's really a great book. The Lost Continents Revealed. The title is Atlantis and Lemuria, The Lost Continents Revealed. So and and why book. they're no longer there. <laughs> <laughs> There's more information about those uh, two cities that, that, than you'll ever receive anywhere else, believe me. Yes. So thank you so much, Tom. Thanks uh, again for having me. Yes, Blessings. <laughs> And no tornadoes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I tell everybody, you go outside, you stand out there, and you say, I welcome gentle rain three oh, times, yes. and it works. You don't have to worry. Okay. Great. Oh, uh, thank you. Actually, we can say thank you. We're receiving gentle rain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.